Let's take our Bibles tonight, please. Turn to 1 Samuel chapter 27. 1 Samuel chapter 27. Uh, we'll continue our study uh, through the book of 1 Samuel. It's a shorter chapter tonight, just 12 verses, if I recall. Uh, just 12 verses tonight. Let's take a step back, as we always do, and, and consider uh, where we've been. Uh, last Wednesday night in chapter 27, we saw David and the I think we said Mike graciously, we really emphasize that, graciously spared Saul's life uh, despite having the opportunity to kill him uh, in retribution if he had chose to, but he chose instead to put that all in God's hands uh, and to spare Saul. Zach, that's consistent with what we had seen back in chapter 24 at the cave at En Gedi. Uh, we brought that out last week. So uh, tonight we see a little bit of a backsliding, uh, backsliding tonight. Uh, we've seen, Janet, we've seen backsliding in our own lives, right? We see backsliding in, in David's life tonight. Uh, early on in this book, we, you know, we, we took care to observe where David seemed to make decisions, important decisions, without seeking the Lord. Uh, and we've taken care along the way to point out there were consequences when he did that, right? And of course, we we see much of the same in our own lives when we uh, step out <laughs> of God's will because we've not taken time to pray to seek the Lord's will, his leading uh, in our specific uh, decision, whatever it is. Uh, we find ourselves in a place that was not God's desire. There'd be consequences. And we've seen David kind of cycle in and out of stopping and, as I say, taking a deep breath and, and praying and seeking God's guidance. Uh, and not doing that, and sort of cycling back to doing it. Tonight we see uh, David seems to get frustrated. Uh, Mike, all of the challenges up to this point seem to kind of add up and, and weigh David down, and he becomes afraid again, uh, and I think discouraged and frustrated, and he allows himself to kind of take his eyes off the Lord and just make his own plan again. And we'll see that tonight. I'm going to pray. We'll, we'll jump in here and, and see this. Lord, we do thank you tonight for this chapter. Uh, Father, it's, uh, it's not a, a highlight in David's life in terms of being a model for us. But Lord, it is an important reminder tonight, as we've seen before, that any of us are at risk for taking our eyes off of you and seeking your guidance prayerfully and Lord, beginning to make our own plan, blazing our own trail uh, to a place that you would not have us to go and to suffer consequences as a result of that. Lord, I pray tonight that uh, we'd be reminded or instructed that uh, if this could happen to David, a great man of God, it certainly can happen to us as well. And Lord, I believe tonight the, the takeaway for us is to stand guard against that possibility. Uh, to stay close to you, especially when things are hard, when there's uh, fear or frustration or discouragement. Lord, that that would not be an, um, a time or an excuse uh, to step back from you, to stray away from you, but Lord, instead to draw close to you, to seek your face and to pray for your guidance and direction. Lord, help us tonight as we see uh, David's mistake in this regard, we know it's here tonight for our instruction. Lord, help us to get this down, uh, to receive this warning tonight. Lord, help me now, I pray in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Well, let's jump in here tonight. First Samuel 27. Good evening, Marilyn. Glad you made it. You said you were trying hard to be here and you made it. Praise God. Uh, welcome, sister. First Samuel chapter 27. Uh, you see David here. So re remember, um, you know, in, in theory, he and Saul have had some kind of a truce, but uh, David didn't quite buy that. Mike, Saul doesn't always seem to be a man of his word, we, we understand. And uh, David is discouraged now and, and fearing Saul. Again, he's been through so much. 1 Samuel 27, verse 1, the Bible says, David said in his heart, uh, I shall now perish one day uh, by the hand of Saul. Uh, he's, that's just where he is. He, he feels like, hey, uh, Saul's just not going anywhere. I mean, he's made promises. We've made pledges to each other. The minute I think everything is okay, then it's not. Remember, he was uh, given up by some people who uh, gave him up to Saul in the last chapter, and Saul came, and, you know, <laughs> he could, could have found David, but he didn't. The Lord saved him from that. Uh, but in any event, uh, David knows that Saul has continued to pursue him. Uh, and that, that's wearing him down a little bit, Mike. It seems like physically and emotionally and, and perhaps spiritually as well, to the point David said his heart, I just know, uh, I know now, I shall now perish one day uh, by the hand of Saul. Why don't you stop and ask yourself this tonight. Could David have known that? Could he have known that? He couldn't know that. He felt like that. That's how he felt. He felt like Saul's just gonna keep coming after me no matter what he says. And sooner or later, he's going to get me. Mike, he couldn't know that Saul would. Uh, what he could do is put it in God's hands and say, God, you know what you're going to allow, and you know what you're not going to allow. And God, no matter what, I'm going to just put it in your hands and follow you and serve you and eventually serve as king. Uh, and, and Lord, just trust that you're going to protect me when you choose to for your good purposes. And if you don't, know that you have a good purpose for that too. Well, that's not where David is. Uh, choosing not to keep his focus on the Lord and, and to stay yielded and submitted and close to the Lord, he allows himself to mentally kind of fall away from the Lord and say, yep, sure enough, I just know Saul's going to get me. Well, if you allow yourself to go there, to be caught up in, in fear and frustration rather than faithfully continue to look, continuing to look to the Lord, uh, what happens? Marilyn, we begin, to, we begin to make our own plans sometimes. We, we begin to react the way that seems right in our hearts rather than looking to the Lord and what his word says and asking him to guide and direct us. And that's exactly what we see David doing here tonight. Uh, he makes his own plan. He doesn't stop and pray and seek the Lord uh, and consider biblical principles that he might apply to his situation. He just starts making his own plan, Mike. Next part of verse 1, he says, There's nothing better for me than that I should speedily escape into the land of the Philistines. He said, You know what? I got to get out of here. Uh, I got to get as far away from Saul as I can, uh, even if that means fleeing into the land of the Philistines. Uh, and, and hiding from him there. Rich, who are the Philistines? Are they godly people or, or are they a pagan people? They, they were a heathen pagan people, the kind of people that, you know, the Lord would surely desire that David would remain separate from, right? Uh, what, what happened to Lot when, when he uh, pitched his tent toward Sodom and, and Gomorrah? Pretty soon he was living with them, right? And down in uh, amidst, uh, amongst them and, and the sin and being surrounded by that. And uh, David is making his own plan to 
flee into the company of a sinful, pagan, uh, wicked people, by the way, whom the Lord told uh, his people to destroy, right, when they, when they took the land. These people were to have been destroyed, but obviously we know the history that didn't get uh, carried out uh, as completely as God desired. And so David's at, at such a difficult place emotionally, spiritually, uh, he just thinks, I, I've got to get as far away as I can, even if it means fleeing into uh, Philistine. Uh, he says, there's nothing better for me than I should speedily escape in a land of Philistines, and shall, Saul shall despair of me uh, to seek me uh, any more on any coast of Israel. So, I'll get my words out, so shall I escape out of his hands. Is that God's plan? There's no indication of that, right? There's no indication that he stopped and prayed. Uh, there's no indication of that at all. Uh, maybe if he prayed, I would think we'd be surprised if God would direct him to go and live uh, among these pagan people, uh, you know, throwing off the, the principle of separation and, uh, and all that. We'd be surprised, but uh, he hasn't prayed, at least not recorded. Uh, and sure enough, he, he just exercises this plan, his own plan, uh, down into Gath. In amongst the Philistines. Verse 2, David arose and passed over with 600 men that were with him uh, unto Achish. This is uh, a person. He's the son of Moak, who is the king uh, of Gath. Now, uh, David has been there before. Do you remember that? Do you remember that? He, he has fled to this place once before. And the last time, I think it was in chapter 21. Yes, chapter 21. The last time he fled to Gath to get away from Saul, uh, he quickly became concerned that they might have it out for him. Uh, and so he concocted a plan uh, whereby he might escape. And that, that was where he started to act like a crazy person. Do you remember that? He started acting like a crazy person, so they would just want him to go. Just, just move on. Just, this, this guy couldn't possibly harm us, and we're, we're not going to harm him. Just, just, just go. And, and this is the same place. He's back there at the same place that uh, he evidently became concerned for his safety there in the past. Uh, by the way, who, um, who was Goliath? Where, where was he from? Was he, wasn't he a Philistine? Yeah, so he's got, David's got some history with these folks. And, and, and Brother Ray, they probably haven't forgotten uh, to go here seems unwise and certainly does not seem to be a plan that God has given him. Anyway, he's back at Gath. And some would say, why would he go back there if he was so frightened he had to concoct this plan to act like a crazy person to escape last time? Well, uh, maybe the difference is he's got 600 men now. He shows up with 600 soldiers. Uh, he probably thinks, well, I can hide there from Saul and having 6,000 troops protecting me, I'm probably uh, pretty well protected. Uh, that might be the case. How many troops did Saul have when David snuck in and what, took his spear? How many did he have? It was two or 3,000, right? And yet David was able to sneak in there and, and take his spear. Uh, so, you know. David arose, passed over with 600 men that were with him unto Achish, the son of Moak, king of Gath. Uh, Gath would be down uh, just off the Mediterranean coast to the west. Uh, I, there's some debate about exactly where Gath is, but it's almost certainly in what would be modern-day Gaza, so this is you know, the land where the rockets came from uh, recently. Uh, these people are still at war with God's people to this very day. Uh, and of course, that's not going to change uh, until the Lord returns. Uh, 
clearly. Um, so David is back here now with the 600 men, uh, feeling no doubt protected by them. Uh, he could flee back here again. Verse 3 says, David went, went with Achish at Gath. So this is that man who he kind of befriends at Gath, which is the place. Uh, he and his men, every man with his household, uh, even David with his two wives, we've seen uh, the two wives here, uh, one having been Nabal's wife before, um, we, we've seen that account too. So I'll stop and ask you again, could this possibly be God's will? Has he prayed? What, does it seem like the Lord would send them into the midst of the enemies of the Lord, uh, Brother Ray, the enemies of God's people, uh, people, as Rich said, who were pagans, uh, these are essentially Canaanites, right? Uh, people who were to have been, does it seem like the Lord would have sent him here to hide out from Saul? It does not seem uh, that way to me, that, that the Lord would have all of these people to go and kind of steep themselves rich in, in, in all the paganism that they would be surrounded by uh, for the time that they're there. Now, David's hope, Mike, is that if he goes there and, and kind of hides among the, the pagans uh, down in the southwest that even if Saul hears this, Saul will say, you know what, let's just let him go. He's so far away. Uh, we'll, we'll just, we'll forget about David. From That's David's hope. Now in verse 4, that is what happened. I want you to see that. Look at verse 4. It was told Saul that David was fled to Gath. I don't know who told him, but uh, someone down there probably said, hey, let's not have a problem with Saul. Let's go and tell him. Uh, it was told Saul that David was fled to Gath, uh, and he, Saul, evidently, he, Saul, sought no more again for him, David. Uh, that's what David wanted. This, this was David's hope. That was David's plan. That was David's hope. And verse 4 records that that's exactly what David got. Now, Brother Ray, I'm going to ask you this question, all right? Um, does the fact that David got what he hoped for, that he benefited from this plan, do you think that makes it okay in God's eyes? Uh, if it was wrong in God's eyes for David just to shoot over to Gath without stopping and praying and honestly probably didn't even need to pray about it because it would seem extremely unlikely that God would want him to go there, um, but he is there. Uh, and he got what he wanted. Saul said, you know, he's so far away. He's there amongst the Philist. I don't want the trouble of, of all that, so I'm just going to leave him alone. He got what he wanted. He benefited from making his own plan. Does that make it okay? Does that make it okay? I don't think so. But I think one of the reasons that this passage is here is the Lord wants us to think about that and to be reminded of that. Uh, there's a temptation sometimes to think, well, you know what, I sinned, but some good came from that sin. <laughs> I know this decision was sinful. I didn't seek the Lord. It, I, 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 I sinned in not being yielded to him and seeking his plan. Uh, so I know that was wrong. That, that was sinful in God's eyes. But some, God, God permitted something good to come from that sinful choice. So the temptation sometimes is to say, well, God must be okay with that sin. What do you think about that? God okay with sin if some good comes from it? I'm just saying no, <laughs> no. Mike, I think we would do better to say, hey, I sinned, 
And God graciously allowed something which seems good to come out of that decision, even though it was wrong. If God allowed something good to come from that sinful decision, I'm going to let that remind me that God is gracious. And, uh, and he will sometimes even work in our wrong choices uh, to bring forth some, some good outcome. That's a gracious God that would do that. Uh, it doesn't, and we take great care to remind ourselves, it doesn't mean that God was okay with the sin. <laughs> he's, he's a perfectly holy God who has a great wrath at sin. And so uh, we, need to we need to remember that. If, if some good, any good comes from some sinful choice that we make in our lives today, you say, well, well that's, that's God's grace in allowing that, but I will not allow myself to think God was okay with the sin. Uh, and certainly the Lord would not have been okay with the sin here. Well, David is here. He's, he's got what he wants in terms of Saul's not after him, at least not at this time. But Marilyn, I think David's getting a little uncomfortable, probably fairly convicted that here he is uh, with his family and these 600 men and uh, probably some of their family too, uh, and they're living here in this wicked, terrible, pagan place, uh, you know, away from their people, uh, li living in just such wickedness. I, there, there must be conviction creeping into David's heart. Uh, and so David hatches a plan to deal with that, Brother Ray. Uh, the plan might be a little better than where he is, but again, I don't see him praying and saying, Lord, uh, I've dragged myself and, and, and all these people into the midst of this wickedness. Uh, show, me, show me the way out. Show me where you would have me go. Help me uh, get us from where we are, which clearly can't be your will, to where you would want us to be, the place that he doesn't do that. Um, instead, he, he makes his own plan to, I think, to assuage his guilty conscience. Uh, verse 5 says this, David said unto Achish, the man at Gath, David said unto Achish, if I have now found grace in thine eyes, let them give me a place in some town in the country that I may dwell there. Uh, for why should thy servant dwell in the royal city with thee? Uh, I, why would I be here with you? This, this is a royal place. And, uh, and, and Gath was, it was one of the um, major cities uh, of the Philistines. Uh, verse 6, then Achish gave him Ziklag that day, wherefore Ziklag pertaineth unto the king of Judah uh, unto this day. And so um, here's, here's how I see it. Tell me if you think I'm wrong. Rather than asking the Lord, what is the best way out of this mess that I have dragged us into? Marilyn David asks one of these wicked pagan Philistines, hey, could you give me a place for me and my people that would be just a little bit better for us than where we are now? And, and you know, in, in God's eyes, that might have been a little bit better than where he was. It would get them out from, you know, being steeped in the worst of the wickedness maybe, but it's, it's, it's clearly not God's plan. This is not God's idea. This is David's idea. Uh, they should have just got out of there as far as they could. They should have got back into the land, Mike, and uh, figured out where God would happen to be at, at that point in time. But uh, David is still making his own plans. 
rather than asking the Lord, he asked this wicked pagan Achish, do you have a place that might be a little bit better for us? Uh, Zach, that might have helped David's conscience just a little bit, but uh, it's not going to get him, I don't believe it gets him anywhere near far enough away from um, this place that he's in. And Marilyn, I think there's a, there's a principle there for us as well. Uh, sometimes our own plans will take us to a place that is clearly not God's will, okay? And we get convicted about that. Do you, do you know what I mean? You find yourself in a place that, that you know you took yourself to. God, it wasn't, it wasn't the path the Lord plays for you or, or laid out for you. You took yourself to a place that is just not where God wants you to be. And you're convicted about that. Uh, and rather than falling into Jesus and confessing that and say, Lord, I'm sorry, uh, I've allowed myself to take my eyes off you and stray and, and run away from you, and now look where I am. Rather than doing that, you say, well, let me just take like two steps back in the right direction, and, and that'll be better. Rather than saying, God, get me all the way out of here, we, just, we make a plan to kind of begin backing up one step at a time rather than just biting the bullet and say, Lord, I confess this, this error. I confess I'm not where I should be. Uh, rip off the Band-Aid. God, get me out of here back to where you would have me to be. Uh, there's temptation to do that. Take a half a step back to the right direction rather than just completely repenting of, of the wrong choices uh, and getting back to where we should be. And there's, there's a principle here that, that we should see. That's, that's a, temp, uh, a temptation uh, that is evidently part of our sin nature. Well, David is given a place at his request to Achish. Verse 7 records that. And the time that David dwelt in the country of the Philistines was uh, a full year and, and four months. There's debate about the translation of that verse and how long is it really. Um, I don't think we need to be concerned about that. But David was there for a time. Uh, he was there for a time. This asking this man of the world, this pagan man, rather than asking the Lord, was setting him up to stay there in the wrong place for an even longer period of time. And this, not God's will, but this is where he is. Now, <laughs> it's interesting here. Um, if, you're, if you're convicted that you are doing wrong, you have choices, right? You have choices. Brother Ray Metchik, what's what's one choice if you're convicted that you're doing wrong, what could you do? You could go to the Lord in, in prayer, that's what you said, that's good, and, and say, Lord, you, you've convicted me, I have done wrong, and I agree, I, I confess that. I'm, I'm gonna turn from that and ask you for strength to get back to where I should be, right? Uh, you, you could do that, that's what you should do. Um, I think what we see here in the, in the next several verses is that um, David didn't do that. He, he was very convicted, uh, and so he's got himself kind of out of the center of the pagan wickedness, kind of out into the suburbs of that, uh, but not got himself fully removed from that. So he's still convicted. Uh, he's still very convicted. Did you ever see someone uh, who you know was caught up in sin? caught up in something that they should not have been caught up in. But the way the person managed their conviction was they just acted as religious as they possibly could on the exterior. Have you ever seen that? You think you've ever seen that? 
I think I have too. I wonder, I wonder if that's been me at times. You know, you could be, you get very convicted here tonight before we're done. And again, this is why this is here, because there is a temptation uh, to, when you're convicted, uh, rather than dealing, Brother Ray, as you said, confess it to the Lord and, and, and get right and, and repent, forsake the sin, uh, we manage the guilt and the conviction by acting very religiously. Look at, how, look at how righteous and holy and religious I am. By the way, do you think God is impressed with religious people? Do you think he's impressed by that? Marilyn, I don't either. Jan, I don't, I don't either. I think God's impressed by that one bit. God looks upon our hearts. Yes, he's, he desires our obedience, Mike, and that pleases him, uh, but, but he's not impressed with fake religiousness, if that's a word. He's not impressed by that. Um, what David does here next, I believe, I believe is uh, trying to manage his guilt of having not gotten completely right by, by going out and doing things that he thinks God must desire. Um, what were the people supposed to have done when they first came into land, Zach? When people first came into the promised land, uh, they had some business to do before they could occupy all the land. Because there are other people living there, right? What were they supposed to do? Do you remember? They were supposed to deal with those people, right? They, and, what were they supposed to do, Brother Garcia? What was it? They were supposed to remove them. And, and that was going to be mean, bloody business, right? I mean, that was going to be that was going to be difficult business. And were, did they, were they perfectly obedient in God's plan? Well, they were somewhat obedient, but not completely, right? And some, some people got, some people didn't get dealt with. And so, you know, the Philistines are still here and some of the other uh, Canaanitish people are, are still here. And so it seems like David says, you know what? <laughs> I, I may not, and I'm reading into this a little bit. You know, Lord, forgive me if I'm wrong. I don't think I'm wrong. I think David, David is, is convicted and he says, um, I'm gonna go out and take care of some of those people that, you know, didn't get, didn't get dealt with the way God commanded. And, and he begins to launch raids on surrounding towns and villages and cities. And um, someone might look at this, and in fact, some of the commentators do look at it and say, oh, he's just, he's just, all he's doing is what God had commanded the people to do a few hundred years earlier. And good for him, because the people didn't do what God said to do earlier. And now David is good for him. We'll see it, and then we'll make some comments about that. Verse 8, David and his men went up and invaded uh, the Geshurites. These are Canaanites. You see them back in Joshua 13. Don't know an awful lot about them. Uh, and the Gezrites and the Amalekites, we know more about them. Uh, for those nations were of old the inhabitants of the land, as thou goest to Shur, even unto down south toward the land of Egypt. Verse 9, and, and David smote the land. Uh, and left neither man nor woman alive and took away the sheep and the oxen and the asses and the camels and the apparel uh, and returned and, and came to Achish. Did God tell him to do this? I don't see it. Mike, if God did, it's not here. I don't see it. I don't see David stopping and saying, okay, God, what would you have me to do next? I've got myself out of the sort of downtown center of the wickedness, out to the suburbs of wickedness. Now, God, what would you have me to do? And, uh, and God says, well, listen, as long as you're here, why don't you go out and take care of some of this old business that didn't, God, I don't see that prayer and I don't see God giving this direction. I see David uh, taking it upon himself 
to get very religious and, and, and go out and, uh, and do what didn't get done before rather than simply getting right with God. And boy, this is a temptation that, that we face even today. I don't want to get right with God. And so I'm just going to go out and find something very religious to do. That'll make it okay. Well, all that does is help manage our guilt. But not even that very well, because <laughs> have you ever noticed that no matter how you try to manage the conviction of the Holy Spirit, it's still there? Have you ever noticed that? What it, people will drink, they will eat, they will engage in all kinds of other sin to try to cover up the conviction, but it's still there. <laughs> David's going to go out and take upon himself the cleaning up of the land that didn't get done a hundred years earlier because that will surely make him right with God when he's so far out of God's will. Uh, that's what he thinks. On a certain day, uh, Achish comes to David and says, hey, where you been? What you been up to? Achish said, whither have ye made a road today? Where you been? And David answers, uh, Zach, I'm going to say he answers technically truthfully, but with an intent to deceive. Have you ever answered anybody that way? Someone asks you something, Janet, <laughs> Janet, you're always honest, I know. <laughs> you don't want to tell them the truth, so you say something that is technically true, but you say that with the intent to deceive them, because you don't want them to know something. Well, David doesn't want Achish to know that he's been out there slaying and killing uh, Canaanite people, allies to Gath. He definitely doesn't want that. He's going to have more than a small problem with, with Mr. Achish and his dad, the king, uh, if, if they find this out. And so uh, David uh, says something that's technically true, but with the intent to deceive him. He wants Achish to think that he's been out warring against God's people uh, in the south of, of Judah. Uh, and so he uses language that could be interpreted that way. Brother Ray, if we do that, if we speak a truth, but with the intent to deceive someone, can I say this? We're lying. <laughs> We're lying, right? You say something that's technically true, but with the intent to deceive someone, it's your intent that matters. That's a lie. Uh, that's a lie. I try to think of a, a sort of another modern example. I can't think of one at the moment, but uh, you know what I mean. So David says, uh, well, David said, second part of verse 10, against the south of Judah. Yeah, okay. Uh, and against the south of the Jeremelites uh, and against the south of, of the Canaanites. He said, I've been down here warring against people in the south and wants them to think that it's the people of Judah, the Israelites, uh, God's people uh, there in the south of the land. It's, well, he was down south, but not warring against God's people at all. Verse 11, David saved neither man nor woman alive uh, to bring tidings to Gath, saying, lest they should tell on us, saying, so did David. Um, and so will this manner, uh, so will his manner all the while he dwelleth in the country of the Philistines. Achish uh, believed David, saying, he hath made his people Israel utterly to abhor him, therefore shall he be my servant forever. Uh, he deceived Achish into thinking that he had been attacking God's people in the land when in fact he'd been attacking Canaanites. Um, that's, 
that's dishonest. It's, it's dishonest. Um, and so you, you see here tonight that David's failure to seek God when he was afraid and frustrated and discouraged put him in the wrong place at the wrong time. Literally, Brother Ray, wrong place, wrong time, literally moved him out of God's will again um, and, and set him up for just one bad decision after another. Zach, could David at any point have, have turned to Lord and said, you know what, Lord, just like before, I've made my own plan and I've got out of your will. I confess that. Uh, I repent of that. God, show me how you would take me from here to where you would have. He could have at any point, right? At any point, he could have done that. Instead, he, he seeks Achish for some place that would be a little better, a little bit less um, convict, convicting, right? Uh, and then he tries to manage the conviction by going out and killing these people that, yes, God commanded the people to do that, but God's given no specific command to David to do this. Uh, and then he, he essentially lies about that. Is this all traceable back to one wrong decision? It is. Turning away from the Lord when things were hard and making his own plan, his own decision, striking out on his own rather than seeking the Lord. Um, do we do this at times? Do we do that? Brother Ray, are we at risk of doing the same thing when things are hard, when the Lord, when the Lord allows us into a trial? to flee away from him and make our own plan rather than seeking him and his guidance and direction, we do the same thing. Do we attempt to manage the conviction about that all sorts of different ways? Yeah, we do. Sometimes acting very religiously, thinking that'll make the Lord happy, <laughs> pleased, uh, when in fact we know that we need, still need to get right with him about the, the issue at hand. Lord, help us. Lord, help us to just draw close to you uh, and stay close to you. We'll stop there tonight and pray. Lord, uh, we do thank you tonight for this short chapter. Um, it's, it's one of those passages that's hard to read and study because uh, we want to see David doing right. And Lord, we know, and yet we know, uh, David is a man like us, not perfect at all. Lord, we understand tonight this passage is here as a warning to us, and I pray we receive it as just that. I pray, Lord, that none of us would look at it and say, well, I'll, I'll never act like that. I'll, I'll never flee away from the Lord when I need him the most. I'll never um, seek what I need from wicked people of the world rather than the Lord. Lord, we, I pray tonight that we'd be honest and say that, well, we might not find ourselves in the exact same situation as David, we do find ourselves uh, tempted to act in a similar manner. And so, Lord, I pray tonight that if that's where any of us are, having fled away from you and your will, Lord, that we would confess that, agree with you, and ask you for grace to repent of that and to get back to where we should be. Lord, perhaps um, others of us would say, Lord, help us to understand and remember tonight that when things are difficult, there is naturally a temptation at times to flee from you, 
uh, to flee to the world, uh, to flee into our own ideas and thoughts and, and to the world for the things that we need. Lord, help us to take that temptation very seriously and to stand guard against it. Lord, to remember this passage when that kind of temptation enters into our own hearts. Father, I pray tonight that, um, specifically tonight, that we remember David's response of acting very righteously and religiously, self-righteously and religiously, when he was no doubt convicted. Lord, that we would stand guard against that temptation as well. Father, in the end tonight, I pray that when we're in the wrong place, when you convict us, that we would be quick to acknowledge that, to agree with you and say, Lord, yes, I've done wrong. Thank you for the conviction. I agree with you. And I ask you for strength, for your grace to get back to where I should be. Lord, I thank you tonight that you are a gracious God. You're always there for us. Always, always, always willing to hear a prayer of repentance. And I thank you for that tonight. Lord, I thank you that you're a God who has forgiven us already. Lord, I thank you tonight that all of our sins are under the blood of Christ, no matter what. Lord, we understand tonight that our relationship with you is affected when we sin against you, when we strike out on our own course away from you. Lord, I know that course never ends in a good place. And so I pray tonight we keep that in mind and that we be quick, we be quick to confess and come back to you. Give you a moment to pray and we'll close. Lord, I thank you again tonight for your conviction. I thank you for the Holy Spirit's ministry of conviction in our hearts. We need it. And I pray that rather than trying to cover it up or manage it, that we would simply respond as you desire with simple, humble confession. Lord, give us that desire and that strength. Father, I love you. I thank you. I pray all of this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Zach, you come, please.